0: On this bright and early morn, hello everybody, welcome to Creep Time, the podcast with Silas Dean and Stu. Hello, Stu.
1: Hi, everybody. Hi, Silas Dean. Good morning.
0: <laughs> good morning. Early. We
1: normally, good morning. We normally record these late at night when it's extra creepy. I know, um, but it's
0: given me an, like an extra sense of, I don't want to say pizzazz for this case, but like because I'm up, you know, like when yeah. you get up early in the morning to do something, you feel a little more like energized to like go at it. Yes. That's how I feel right yeah. now. I don't know if it's the Nespresso okay, coursing through my veins like straight heroin. But... Well,
1: lay it on me. Well, I'm excited.
0: Okay. I will I will definitely jump straight in because there's a ton to get through on this case. But before I do, I will just say thank you to the Creepers yet again for continuing to spread the word on Creep Time because we see all of your comments. We see all of um, the way that you interact with the podcast and we love it. We appreciate you. And thank you again for all of the case. Suggest- I think this was a suggestion. From one of the creepers on TikTok. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, people have asked for Julia Davis for a long time, um, and I knew the case really well. I've just refrained from talking about it because it's really hard to cover this case on TikTok and on YouTube because of community guidelines, because it is by far one of the most graphic that I think we've probably covered. I didn't
1: know we were doing Julia Davis. Oh my gosh. You didn't? No,
0: Wait. I I don't
1: even think you, cause I know you <laughs> wanted me to not do research on this case. So I didn't, but I don't think we ever said which one we were going to talk about. So I'm like, I, I don't know anything about this case. Like truly I don't, I just have heard you mention it so many times to me, oh like that gosh. name that now I'm like extra excited because I really have no, I know nothing.
0: Yeah. I went in it, creepers. I went in and I was like, Stu, I, I really want you to blind react to this one because it's wild and it's so, so dark. Um, I didn't know you were that blind. that You you didn't even know we were covering the name, (laughs) Tim. No. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, should I just jump straight into the top line just to, like, catch get you up to speed a little bit about what you're going to get into? Yes. Okay. All right. So, the story of Jalea Davis. This is the mystery around her death at mile marker 181. Have you ever heard the name, I should ask?
1: Julia Davis or Mile Marker. Yeah, have you ever
0: heard it in like the, yeah, have you ever heard it in like the news or any like true crime documentaries?
1: I feel like I've only heard it just from like in passing you've been like, oh, we should really cover the Julia Davis case. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I, I don't know it from the news.
0: No, no, no. This is even better. Um, So I'll just get straight into the top line of what you're going to get into, but I will preface. I almost called you actually yesterday because it's such a heavy case Mm. that I kind of wanted to like mentally safeguard you a bit and I was going to call you ahead of time because I wanted you to blind react but I also didn't want you to go in I was nervous about you going in to this (laughs) fully not knowing like how graphic it is
1: you were nervous about me spiraling let's be real
0: (laughs) (laughs) any honestly anybody I was like because I after reading this case brushing up on like the research yet again I was losing sleep and that doesn't happen very often anymore for me so I was like I should I should call her (laughs) She calls to let her know.
1: And creepers, did that call happen? It did not. No. So you're get ready for a
0: spiral. I did text you this morning.
1: Did. You did. You did text me and you said, Gird thy loins because you're yes. in for a real one.
0: Whew. Okay. So to jump into the top line of this, so the story takes place on November 19th, 2011, where 20 year old Jalea Davis is reportedly calling her sister during a night out and she seemed to be like hysterical like she's sobbing um she can be heard on this first call arguing with a friend of hers in the background and she's yelling repeatedly give me back my keys give me back my keys and it's possible that there were multiple people in the background but also multiple people that she was arguing with during this first call So that call would end, right? And then the sister is intending to go pick her up at this intersection that she described because it's past three in the morning. Jalea's been drinking. She's intoxicated. So then roughly five minutes later, after that first call, Jalea calls back again. And she seems even more hysterical. Like she is crying. She's swearing, sobbing. And she's now yelling directly at um, her friend Kristen. And she's calling her names. And it's reported on this call from her sister that you can also hear the friend Kristen in the background. Remember that it's really important. Uh, so then she would change her pickup location on this call, and she's going to get picked up five minutes up the road at this rest stop off of I-77. Uh, this is like right past the border of West Virginia. So her sister's like, "What the hell is going on? Like, what, what, can you explain to me like what's happening?" And Julia just goes, "I will tell you when you get here." That call ends. Within less than 12 minutes, something would happen on that highway where Jalea's body is then found in
1: pieces.
0: (gasps) And though this has ultimately rested as this near physically impossible drunk driving accident, there are some details to this case that are extremely mysterious and very hard to ignore. And to this day, what really happened to Jalea Davis at mile marker 181 is very much up for debate. I didn't want to give away too too much because we're going to get into, like, the step-by-step of what happened on that night. But first impressions from that top line.
1: Okay, how old is Julia at this point?
0: She's 20. She's, She's 20 like, in a high old. school
1: party? Oh, okay. Um,
0: I think this is, like, I don't know if she was in school, if she was in college, actually. But this is more of, like, um, it's a house party that then turns into, like, a club hop. We'll get into, like, the actual night okay. of and, like, everybody she was with. But that's... It's a night of drinking where they're kind of, like, moving around. But at this point, when all of this goes down, it's, like, three, almost four in the morning. Oh,
1: my gosh. And you said her body is found in pieces?
0: That's a light statement of how her body was found. I'll get into the actual details of how her body was found, but, yes, in pieces.
1: Oh, my God. Okay. In a
0: (laughs) a 12-minute window actually even less than that which is insane Ugh. oh you know what actually hold on i just remembered yeah. i wanted to pull up the actual 911 transcript for this stall for a little bit
1: yeah oh my god <laughs> creepers gosh.
0: i apologize i had this up um before but i closed it out because i was reading it the other day and i got so freaked out by it i closed the tab
1: <laughs> wait is is the 911 call wait,
0: it's not I don't recorded want to spoil it. It's not okay, recorded, okay. but um, there's there's a couple of 911 transcripts on when the body is found, and I wanted to read them verbatim for you because they're, they're intense. Um, so I, I had them pulled up. I just wanted to make sure I had them pulled up to read at a specific yeah. point in this case. So, perfect. All right, so I've got that pulled up. We've gone over the top line. I'm going to get into the actual backstory of Jalea, just so you have a little more context about who she was, where she was from, and specifically who the friend group was that she was with that night. Cause that's really important too. So for a little bit on Julia Davis and just the dynamic of this group, she was 20 years old. Like I said, she's a woman living in Marietta, Ohio in 2011, which like I said, it's it, you hear in the story that um, she's found or she's planning to go just past the border of West Virginia. Marietta is like extremely close to that border. It's a very small, very, very small town. And the plan for the night is that she's going to spend this night out with a group of friends. They're going to be bar hopping, club hopping, right after a pregame party at, like, a house. So it has largely been thought um, that there is a very odd dynamic between Jalea and this group of friends. Because the people that she was out with, she'd only known for a couple of months. She Like, she had not known these people very long at all, and they are described in this story as a bit of a shady crowd. So the the core people she was with were Kristen Bechtold, Jordan Campbell, Freddie Scott, and Katie Nelson. Those four are really important, um, but I would say the most important would be Kristen, Freddie, and Katie, because they remain almost to the end of the story. And while this is this is alleged, and none of this is confirmed from my research and from many, many other people who have covered this case. People who have talked to those who are local, it is suspected that this crowd, like I said, is shady, but also several of them have ties to local drug rings, which has also played into mm. some of the mystery behind this, the potential cover-up. And <laughs> when I first heard this story, I knew that like there were some conspiracies around this because it was like one or two of like the people in this group had like parents who worked in law enforcement oh no 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 every single one of them has family in law enforc- enforcement local law enforcement in what? fact one of their parents i think was the sheriff so there is a, a huge threat. conspiracy that this there is a cover up here wow yeah i didn't know it was like i was like yeah i was like i can see that maybe that's a reach if like i don't know somebody has like a brother who like is a cop nearby no every single kid
1: Including Jalea or no, Not 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 Jalea, just the
0: friends. Not ju- not Julia, just the okay. friends. That's important gotcha. to note as well. So that's just a little bit of the backstory, just so you know what we're getting into in terms of like the group of people, Julia, and like what the setup of this is. But I'm going to get into the actual night of. So this takes place on a Saturday night. It's November 19th. And it's reported that Jalea leaves her house at around 5 p.m. because the first stop of the night is that she's planning to meet up and go to that pregame, that house party. So she leaves around five. She, like, texts her mom, Kim. She's talking to her sister, Tabi. Uh, and she's going to be texting her sister throughout most of the night to stay in contact. Because I think, I think the plan might have been that she's, like, the backup ride. Because Julia does take her car, which is interesting. And mm-hmm. according to the first statement of the timeline of the night, a lot of the, like, the The timeline is kind of pieced together between different statements from the people she was out with so some things kind of like don't fully align but we're going to adhere to their statements to try to figure out what they think the timeline was so she leaves at five and then she ends up going to the house party and she's there for a good number of hours i think by this time we're like rolling around to like 10 p.m 10 or 11 where the first statement comes from Kristen. Who was with her? Who claimed that Jalea was taking shots and took 28 shots of vodka? <gasps> okay, first of first of all, let's pause there. 28 shots of vodka.
1: Wouldn't that's, you be dead?
0: Yeah, I was like, that's impossible. That, there's no way that's true.
1: You'd be absolutely dead. Like that's dead drunk. 28 shots of vodka.
0: Which doesn't make sense with the rest of the story, so I yeah. call bull right off the bat from that stage. I yeah, mean, have
1: definitely. you
0: ever even come close to that in the number of shots you've taken? <laughs> What's the most the most you've taken in one night?
1: Well, I'm not a shots person. Like like right now, I can only stomach one in a night out. <laughs> but in my heyday, um, I don't <laughs> Your glory know glory days. Like, in my glory days, maybe like four twenty eight. You'd be. Absolutely out of commission, like probably on the verge of alcohol poisoning. Oh,
0: 28 is stomach pump. There's a, for context, there's, there's a, um, an extremely dangerous tradition at a bar in Mexico that I read about where like on your 21st birthday, they make you take 21 shots, but they actually banned it because like, so there had been like deaths from it. And that's from like, you know, people who were taking 21 shots, 28, and then to go drink more because this is just at the house party. She says she took 28 shots at the house party, finished a bottle of vodka, and then they went out to go get more vodka, and this is the pregame before they're going to go out and drink more at the club. I'm like, something's already off. I don't buy that. Not
1: a chance, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's 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 kind of bull. So she claimed they finished that bottle of vodka, they're going to go out and they're going to buy another one to keep drinking. The next timestamp that we have confirmed is that the remainder, or the, yeah, whoever else was there for the group. They're now done with the pregame. They're going to go out to a club called the Nip and Q. Uh, And this is right around like midnight to 1 a.m. So Kristen then goes on in her statement and she says that while she's at the club, Julia, she started dancing and grinding with a guy who happened to be an ex-boyfriend of Katie, the other girl who's in the group, which causes an argument and a fight to break out. So that's important to remember, too, in terms of the dynamic and who's mad at who and you know, where Julia's is at. Then we have another statement from Katie's timeline. And she claims that sometime right after two, they had all left the club and the plan was to bring Julia back to where her car was parked, which I'm assuming from that statement, the intention is to make her drive, which seems shocking. I was
1: just going to say that what in the world, they think she's going to drive the car.
0: Yeah, this is where the timeline, I mean, the statements go a little, like, off the rails, because I, (laughs) Kristen, in her statement, she's like, no, she was like, I wasn't gonna let her drive, but I'm like, they're driving her to her car, and then Freddie says, he was like, she was walking around, she was fine, like, so much of this is off, that what they, they initially, like, separated all of them, so that they couldn't, that's what you do, like, so you can't, like, have people kind of, like, crossing stories and, like, confirming things, it's better to, like, get them separated and, like, mm-hmm. talk to them individually. So 2 a.m., this is what Katie's saying, is that they're headed to Julia's car because they're going to drop her off. I just think that's insane. Um, so what they claim is that they then left Julia at the car and then they drove to McDonald's and then they went home. So this is where the timeline starts to get a little strange. So we know that sometime after 3 a.m., This is when Jalea's sister, uh, Tabi, she gets the first phone call where she claims to hear Jalea on the phone and she's really upset. She's clearly in the middle of an argument with Kristen and she's yelling at her, you know, give me back my keys, give me my keys. Which to me suggests that they weren't going to let her drive or Kristen was planning to drive, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, but she she also asks her sister to come pick her up at this intersection, I guess, where her car was parked at the time. So the argument is happening. Jalea's upset. She's kind of hysterical. Her sister is like, I'm going to come get you. Just stay there. So that call ends. And then, like I said, five minutes later, Jalea would call back. And she seems to be even worse. Like, she's sobbing. She's screaming. And according to her sister, you could hear Kristen's voice in the background. At least Kristen's voice. There might have been other people. And Julia's cursing, and she's calling Kristen names. And it's unclear at this point to the sister, like, why she's so upset, like, why they're arguing. And she's like, what's going on? Can you tell me what's happening? Where Jalea says, I'm changing my pickup location to this rest stop, which is right off of I-77, which is actually a little bit closer to her home, um, even though it's, like, slightly past the border of West Virginia and uh, this part of where they lived in Marietta. And she says, I'm going to tell you when you get here. Now, timestamp-wise, that call ends at 3.36 a.m. And this would mark the countdown to those 12 unknown minutes before Jalea would suffer some of the most horrific injuries I have ever heard in a case. So if we back up a little bit and we just talk a little bit more about that final phone call, I, I want to go back to Kristen's statement to try to give some context and, like, color what the argument of that call was about, according to Kristen Bechtold. So what she says, according to her, she goes, you know, Jalea's car was there. We, we brought her to her car because we were all going to figure out, like, what we're going to do next. Um, but at the time, Jalea apparently was on the phone with a guy, some unknown guy who she was trying to meet up with. So then she hangs up. And at that point, Jalea comes back to, like, the group where there's Katie, there's Kristen, there's Freddie. I guess the other guy had already left them, apparently, and they—they're like, you know, we're just going to get food, and we're going to end up going back to somebody's house. And I think at this point, according to Kristen, Jalea got really upset because she's missing this keychain that she has. It's like, um, it's a keychain that I think her sister gave her, and it's like diamond, encru- like a diamond encrusted J. And she never takes it off her keys. She loves this thing, but she's really upset because it's gone. And for some reason, she blames Kristen which we would later come to find out was accurate to do because Kristen would have it in her possession. To this day, she has it in her possession, which is f***ed. And the argument is because of that, because Julia's like, you did something with it, you took my keychain, I want it back. And it's unclear if it's because Kristen took her keys, which it sounds like she did, because Julia's like, give me my keys, give me my keys. So I'm trying to figure out, like, what that's about. If, like... And Julia's like, the keychain's missing. And Kristen's like, no, let me see your keys. It's got to be on there somewhere. And then Jalea's like, no, give me back my keys. I'll look for it. I'll look for it. Or mm-hmm. Kristen's like, give me your keys. You're not driving. And Jalea's like, no, give me my keys. I have to look for the thing in my car. There's like any number of reasons why Jalea could have been on the phone with her sister and heard saying, give me my keys to Kristen. Right?
1: Yeah. Wait, what, was it actually diamond encrusted? Like it was something really valuable or just like she just loved the thing?
0: I think it was actually diamond encrusted. It it was a gift from her sister and it was like very, yeah, it was like very important to her and it was described as expensive. So I think it was like, it had like a diamond in it. Maybe
1: that could explain. I mean, it just, it seems so weird. What would be the gain in like trying to take something valuable from someone like that doesn't really check out. So to me, it just seems like, she didn't want her to drive or something.
0: I, I think so. I mean, if we're if we're giving the benefit of the doubt to Kristen, um, but that's what the argument is based on is mostly Jalia being like looking for this, this wristlet, this keychain. So. Kristen claims that since they thought Jalea had a pickup that was coming, being her sister, they left her there at her car. And they were like, You're sure you've got a ride? And that's the end of the story. So the family has weighed in on the keychain as well. And they've said, they're like, this was really, really important to her. Like I said, and because it's expensive, she would have kept it in like her possession the entire night. And it's really locked into her keys. So someone would have had to have deliberately taken it off probably for mm-hmm. it to go missing. Mm-hmm. That's important to know. I think just because we do have confirmation as of today that Kristen did in fact have that in her possession and continues to keep it. Um, Which I think is really, really messed up. Yeah. So Kristen is insistent that they confirmed that Jalea would not be driving because she was so far gone. But this also contradicts a statement that would come out at the time from Freddie, Freddie Scott, the guy who was there. Because according to Kristen, she's saying she's like, Jalea was so fucked up that like, there's no way we were going to let her drive. So we had to confirm she had a ride. Freddie's like in his statement he's like no he's like we dropped her off and like we watched her get into her car because she was walking and she seemed fine so now we've got two statements that are contradicting each other right off the bat about like what the final exchange was like so to me that suggests that call where is like give me back my keys was not about like i'm taking your keys you're not driving it was more so about the keychain.
1: ah uh okay
0: i think i think just according to like that odd contradiction in freddie's statement so he claims that he saw julia get into the car and he's saying he's like yeah she's like she wasn't really that drunk even though we've got Kristen saying she took 28 shots it's like the whole thing is muddy so i'm gonna gloss over that for now and i'm gonna get into the actual event like what happens in the countdown of those 12 minutes But before I launch into it, do you have any thoughts just about, like, the the eerie, like, friend dynamic and, like, all this weird that's going on?
1: Yeah, well, I'm wondering how intoxicated the rest of the group was and who was driving them back.
0: So Freddie is the one who's driving, even though they were all described to have been drinking. So it's assumed that he was, like, drunk driving or buzz driving. Um, But according to everyone else, he was not nearly as gone as Jalea. Um, And according to her... Her toxicology report from later in this case, I think her blood level was at 0.19, which I looked it up. I think that's the equivalent of like six drinks, seven drinks. So you would have... That's pretty high. Yeah, you would have like, um, your motor functions would be impaired, for sure. Like you're definitely, definitely too yeah. drunk to drive. So I don't, but you're also not 28 shots deep. Like that's yeah. stomach pumps, his... body shutting down, and yeah. <laughs> my breath is becoming shallow.
1: Yeah, because I know the blood alcohol limit is 0.08, right? So I think she so, was, yeah. She was definitely above that, but point 0one wouldn't be like you're uh, almost dead. Like twenty eight shots, you'd probably be way higher than 0.19. Yeah,
0: it's it's um, a little it's a little blurry. But I guess
1: I'm just curious I'm curious, um I guess about The dynamic between these people, I'm sure we'll get into it later on with these conflicting stories. Um, Because if I'm Kristen, I'm going to be really freaked and worried, if I'm innocent, that what he just said completely contradicts what I've said. Um, Oh,
0: oh yeah. Well, it's funny because they all gave statements at different times. Because after all of this shit goes down, Katie is... Encouraged by her parents to go in the morning of and talk to police. Actually, within, Mm. like, I think 20 minutes of being informed, officially informed, about what happened to Julia. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas Kristen refuses to talk to police. She actually gets an attorney. Day one. Mm. Which is never an admission of guilt, I can say. I mean, some people, you just lawyer up if something happens. But... I don't know. A lot of people have said that that's a little, that's a little funny. Yeah. Because if you're truly Mm. innocent, it's like you you can't give a single statement to police about the last few moments you had with somebody before, uh, apparently, or allegedly, where she says, this was the end of the story. We left her at her car and then we went off to McDonald's and that was the last time we saw her. And then something goes on 12 minutes later.
1: Yeah. Something, something ain't right.
0: It's, oh... When we get into the actual state of, like, how the body was found, how the car was found, and this first 911 call that nobody talks about, where it's described... Okay, I'm, I'm going to launch into it, all right, because okay. I, I can't give away too much. So what actually goes on? So where we're we're at in the story, we know that Jalea has... She's at her car, either with somebody or alone or with a group of people, and the 12-minute countdown starts. So we have that gap of time where we don't actually know what happened just before these horrific events were uncovered, but the window I learned is actually even smaller than those 12 minutes. So the first 911 call that's recorded in the system and it's just a transcript. We don't have we don't have audio of this. This comes in at 3:41 a.m., which is just 5 minutes after that last call that Julia made to her sister where she was like I'll tell you when you get here, kind of thing. Because there's just like, what is going on? Why are you so upset? Mm-hmm. So the call is reported uh about something that's going on at mile marker 181. And I'm gonna read just a little bit of what that first call says. So the 911 dispatcher goes, What is your emergency? He goes, Yeah, I'm calling about a car that's broken down on 77 North. They go, Okay, we're at on I-77. They go, On the 181 or so, the lights are on. It's up against the guardrails. Something's going on there, but I couldn't see anybody. Uh, It's pretty cold out, so I don't know what's going on over there. Okay, can you give a vehicle description, like red car or a blue truck? He goes, pardon me? He goes, give me a vehicle description, like a red car or a blue truck. All I know, it's a car. He has his lights on. He's right by the car. He's up against the guardrail. So there's something going on over there. But I couldn't see anybody standing around, which confuses me because he says he's right by the car. So who is who's he? Is that like a pedestrian? Is that like somebody who's going to check in on something that's going on? Yeah. The he is really interesting because the next 911 call that would come in does not describe anybody else, but it is the actual discovery of the body. And... I am going to read that exact transcript as well because this first call comes in at 3.41 a.m. The next call comes in at 3.48 a.m. from somebody who's turning around from what they just saw. And I will read you this transcript verbatim so you can get a sense of how this unfolds in real time. So to tee this up, I think it's a father who had his son in the car who was coming home extremely late from somewhere who passed this thought he saw what he saw and had to pull over and walk back to confirm. So this is the transcript. It reads as follows. Stay in the vehicle. I'm going to keep the doors locked. Just stay here. They go. What is your emergency? Sir, I'm at the 181 six mile marker northbound on I-77. I cannot make a confirmation of this right now. I'm walking back. I think I just seen a human being lying dead on the highway, sir. They go, okay, and you walked away from your vehicle? He goes, I'm getting out of my vehicle. I'm walking back. I seen the person. They go, you think you're at 181? 181 mile marker, sir. I haven't confirmed it yet. Okay, your name, sir? They go, my name is blank. This is censored out. We drove, and you know, it's dark, and you can't see, and I'm just about pretty sure... It might have been a person. Gosh, I really don't want to walk back here. You know what I'm saying? They go, I understand what you're saying. If you don't feel comfortable with what you're doing, sir, you don't have to. Stay where you're at and I'll have somebody come out there. I'm getting closer to it. I'm hoping it's a deer, sir. I really am. I'm pretty sure I saw what I saw. Oh, man. I really am. In fact, there's some other people. I don't know if you're getting phone calls, but there are other people who just stopped at the bottom of the hill. Oh, man. Okay, sir, do you know what your cell phone number is? And then they confirm the cell phone number. He goes, I'm getting closer to it. Oh, man, I'm hoping it's a deer. I'm hoping I can't. I got my boy. Yes, sir. I'm pulled along the guardrail. There's a chemical tanker truck that just pulled over. I'm getting closer to it. There is a semi trucker that's coming at it. Oh, he's coming closer right now. Stay over here. Stay over here. He's kind of like ushering him to like stay on the other side of the road. Stay over here. Oh, my gosh, I can't get over here. The traffic. Yes, sir. Confirmation. It's a human body. Oh my gosh. They go, do you want to check if this person is still alive or breathing? Sir, there's parts of him. I can't. Oh my god. Oh my god. Sir, turn around. Don't look at him. Okay, turn around. Don't look at him. Oh my gosh, sir. Sir, you need to hurry and get people here, please. Okay, we got people on the way out there, sir. Can I start stopping traffic? This might be a crime scene, right? Do you have a flashlight? I don't want you getting hit or anything. I I do. No. No, another person just hit him. Oh my god. Oh, if you can get the county sheriff's department here as soon as possible, sir. And then it sort of goes on to just describe what exactly they're seeing. But reading that transcript, and I, I had it read to me actually before, um, was so, so chilling. But it tells us a few things. One, we know that the body was discovered in pieces at this point, And we know that the body was then run over after it was already discovered in pieces by another truck. So... The state of her body was unbelievable. She's found naked from the waist up. One of her breasts was completely severed, missing. One of her legs had been snapped at the hip completely in half, and she was found fully decapitated. Her car is found two-tenths of a mile up the road, still running, with the headlights on, Allegedly the doors are locked, and surprisingly, the car itself has very little damage. Weird. Also, you know, to mention, um, while the 911 call is happening, people are already stumbling upon the scene, and the sister, um, she's already gotten to the rest stop that Julia described off of i-77. So she's there, and of course Julia' not there, so she's confused. but what she can see, on the highway is that there's like a commotion back on the highway. Like there are lights, people are stopping. So she pulls onto the other side of the highway and she goes down to see what's going on. And she actually gets there even before police do. And what's so horrific about this is that she sees her sister in that state before police even get there. Uh, I can't imagine anything more scarring and disturbing than that. But the highway gets immediately shut down. Instantly we've got cops on the scene Um, And the first thing that's noted beyond, you know, Julia's vehicle being there is that police know or they see that she's nude from the waist up. And they're like, where are her clothes? They look to the guardrail. All of her clothing has been folded on the guardrail, placed there. So we don't know how. We don't know how that's possible. (laughs) Because, I mean, this looks like some kind of a horrific drunk driving accident, but what they saw was a pile of her clothes neatly folded on the guardrail, including her bra, her blouse, and her jacket. As they look around uh, at the scene, and they look over the guardrail, they see those three items that are folded, and then they're looking, they eventually find her head, which is past the guardrail, and you know, there are body pe- like parts everywhere, pieces of her, and... On top of that, there are just some difficult details to explain. They're trying to figure out, like, if this was some kind of wild drunk driving accident that they're piecing together right off the bat, how her clothes ended up like that, or if they ended up ripped off her body, how they were folded onto a guardrail in that order. Because it's actually reverse order of how they probably would have been ripped off. So that happens. And as police are at the scene, it's now rolling around to, like, 4 a.m., They're immediately, you know, taking witness accounts. They talk to the sister. The entire area is, you know, being surveyed. And it's just blood and body parts everywhere. But in the moment, they're assuming it is just an accident. So before I get into the actual investigation of that morning, what are your thoughts on on all of that unfolding? I know that was really heavy.
1: (laughs) Did you see my face as you continue to describe? (laughs) I am... Wow. Like I am blown away by a couple of things stand out to me. The fact that this man got out of his car, walked and was brave enough to do that is and and think as you kept reading the transcript, I was like, please don't turn around. Please don't turn around, because as horrific as it is to get a real time description like that from him was, I'm sure, invaluable to the case and just. Completely. Trying to piece it together. Um, so that was my first thought. And and when you were like, Okay, he found it, I was like, Oh, thank God. Um the clothing, the breast and the head, to me, I feel like this was a personal attack killing.
0: It seems nearly impossible. I mean, for this level of damage to happen. Well, it's also really interesting because what we would later hear when we get into the investigation and the recreation of the accident, they suggest that, like, part of the reason she was found in pieces was because the truck hits her, like, runs over her after her accident already happens. But if you listen to his 911 call, it's really interesting because you go piece by piece and he goes, sir, there are parts of him. He can't even tell it's a woman because Mm -hmm. the body is so mangled there are parts of him so he's she's already in pieces and then he mm-hmm. says oh a truck just hit him so that kind of misaligns with how the accident is described and i I, right. I his his 911 transcript is really invaluable because it's you can't refute it i mean it's it's what he's seeing in real time yeah. i just the first time i heard that the chills that i got when he goes confirmation confirmation it's a human body oh my gosh oh mm-hmm. my gosh mm-hmm. I remember I get chills now, like reading it. It's I got so, chills
1: when you were reading it.
0: Oh, it's so freaky, but also I, I'm interested in the 911 call that came just before it as well, where they describe like there's something going on at that car, because that person passes, but like you would assume if they were passing the car, they would have seen that body scattered all over the road. Absolutely. And they and they, it was s- a
1: full seven minutes before the body was found a lot can happen in 7 minutes
0: yeah well that's i mean that's a big conversation here some people are like i mean how could any of this have happened in like the window the time frame that was given like it seems impossible it's the whole thing is just and i have to say like we're viewing it from the lens of what's been released publicly by the police investigation which we have to readjust in our minds because there's a lot of conspiracy that this was a cover up so some of the evidence that we've been told is true could be a little manufactured. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's quite a few things here that contradict themselves, especially with what we learn was initially told to the mother and then retracted by police. It's really, really interesting to think about this through the lens of, like, conspiracy and cover-up. So I'm going to dive back into the investigation and I'm going to keep with the momentum of this morning. So, like, we, this accident happens, or this incident happens, rather... <clears throat> it's around four in the morning and it would take several hours before of them like investigating the scene, starting the cleanup because the highway is a wreck and we're rolling around to like 7am where police are now headed to Kristen's house to inform her of the accident because they want to ask her questions. They, they know that she, among other people were out with Julia that night because again, they've already talked to Julia's sister and Julia's sister is like, she was fighting on the phone with her friend, Kristen, et cetera, et cetera. So what's interesting about this detail, about arriving at Kristen's house, police noted upon getting to the driveway, there are two vehicles in her driveway. There's a Cadillac and a Dodge, one of which had significantly less frost on it that morning. So police have said in their official statement, or at the time, they were like, this suggests to us that the car was driven very recently that morning. It was still hot, which is why it didn't have frost on it. So... When we're talking about recently that morning, we're not talking about, like, when they got home at, like, 3 or 4, like they said. We're talking about, like, that person was out and about at, like, 6 a.m., 6.30 in the morning doing something. So they leave. They just leave their card, like, kind of wedged in the door to, like, give us a call back, talk to us. Roughly 20 minutes after that, Katie actually voluntarily goes into the police station on her own. Um, her parents encourage her to go th- go there and give a statement and detail exactly what happened last night, her last interaction with Jalea, and, like, try to set her story straight. Um, okay. So I'm assuming at this point some of the phone calls have sort of circulated. I'm sure the group of people she was with that night had gotten word by that time in the morning, like, Jalea's dead like Julia's dead unless some of them already knew because that seems extremely pre- preemptive. Isn't the right word, but immediate, it was very immediate for Kristen 20 mm-hmm. minutes after police are like officially starting their like door knock situation to be like, what did you see last night? Katie's already at the station giving a statement. Yeah. So Katie felt the need to go in, articulate her story. Kristen, like I said, takes the completely opposite approach she refuses to speak to police and immediately lawyers up. She has an attorney by the following day. Which, how do you feel about that? I mean, because like I said, getting an attorney is not an admission of guilt. It's just, it's just what you do when like a horrific situation happens, especially when it comes to like someone who was drunk driving, potentially who you were the last person to see if you saw them get into their car or allowed them to get into their car.
1: Right. I think also she's probably thinking my friend saw me fighting with her. Mm -hmm. They knew that there was a conflict happening and better to protect myself as we go into this. Because if she doesn't have a lawyer and she's like, yeah, we were fighting heavily before all this went down. It's just a no brainer to not that you're setting yourself up for, um, you know, potentially
0: being pinned for something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I can understand, but yeah, I mean, at that age for you to immediately get a lawyer is pretty bold, I would say. Yeah, I think it just looks really bad on paper
0: in the context of this case. It looks really, it looks suspicious. So the police are finalizing their description of the vehicle. Let's go back to, like, how the car was actually found. So there are some things that didn't really seem to make sense about this car um, and about this case in general. You know, we're wondering, how did the breast get removed? How was the clothing removed and folded? How did she get decapitated? How did any of this happen from a drunk driving accident where the car is not totaled? So the car is found basically parallel to the guardrail. The guardrail would have been on the passenger side of the car. So that's not what I thought when I was first um, hearing this case. I was like, oh, my God, a drunk driving accident like this? She must have, like, gone through the windshield or something. So that would have been a head-on collision. Not at all how the car was found. It was like it scraped along the side on the passenger side, which confused the hell out of me trying to, like, piece this together. Both headlights are on as well as the overhead light in the car, which is interesting. There's a few theories behind that. Um, or the cat, I guess you call it the cabin light, probably the cabin light.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So there was damage that was found on the passenger side of the car, indicating that was the, uh, where the car made contact, uh, against the rail. And they're having a hard time right off the bat in their initial report, trying to figure out like how a body could accrue so much damage from something that doesn't really seem to have any sort of damage on the driver's side, assuming that this was a single driver accident with Jalea being the drunk driver. Um, it ultimately prompts this 16-month investigation into trying to recreate this nearly impossible... It's an impossible accident to recreate. They were never able to fully recreate it and explain some of the details, like how the clothing got ripped off and like folded on a guardrail. They, they were never able to piece that together. So Based on this investigation, they have suggested that how this went down is that the overhead light, um, or the cabin light, rather, in the car was on, indicating that Julia's driving and she's trying to get to the pickup spot, but she turns on the cabin light because she's possibly still looking for that missing keychain. She's looking for something in her car. Maybe she dropped her phone or something. And then without watching the road, she then makes contact on the passenger side with the guardrail. So what we then believe happened is that from the impact of that, she had no seatbelt on, she's thrown forward to the side of impact because there is a crack in the windshield on the passenger side. So they think she's thrown forward to the passenger side from the driver's side, her back cracks the windshield, this sounds insane, and then it flings her to the passenger seat window where her body smashes through the window and is now half-hanging outside of the car. So at this point, the car is still in motion, and they believe it was grinding up against the rail, and it's slamming her body repeatedly against the beams of the guardrail, which they think is when her breast was cut off, they think that's when she was decapitated, it happened from being slammed up against the guardrail. Somehow, they think this then, the force of this then flung her body, the rest of her body, out of the car, up into the air, over the car. She hits the top of the car where she starts spinning 360 and then rolls down the back because there is a large amount of blood that's found on the back of the car. This is the only place on the car where blood is found. Um, but there's no dent to suggest that like, her body slammed from the air onto the car. So they think that she spins, rolls to the back of the car, gets blood on the back of the car, and then rolls off the back. And then according to their statement, they think that that exact moment is when a semi-truck was passing and didn't see the accident happen, because they think the back wheel of a semi-truck caught the rest of her body, and that's when the body was, like, split into pieces. Like, the leg gets broken, like, and the body kind of gets scattered. So this is the formal explanation that's given to sort of detail the accident um, and how this was possible and why they would end up ruling it an accident. But... That is really, really something. Like, I don't know very much about, like, accident recreation, but the physics of that seem very impossible to me.
1: The f- As you were describing it, I was, like, trying to envision how that would happen. She would have had to have been going so fast. Like, like because if she got flung over to the passenger side and the car kept going... Mm-hmm she would have had to have been going fast enough that the momentum of the car, I guess it's not impossible, but that it was still, with her foot off the gas, it's still going.
0: Yeah. Right? Well, I I guess so, eventually, there's a couple of contradicting things here because apparently there's a Kia engineer who was able to like pull the black box of a car, which is basically like a little like computer in the car that yeah. measures or records um, data during accidents like this because it's used for investigations. It's like, okay, and a collision was detected, so, like, which airbags went off, like, how, how fast was the speedometer going. So, according to that, she was going around 70 miles per hour, which is pretty fast. Yeah,
1: that is fast. It's yeah. pretty
0: fast. Um, I'm still trying to piece together how that actually happened. So, 70 miles per hour, and then she slams the car on the passenger side into the guardrails. So, is that what happens, like, when you, like, to the side where there's impact, it throws your body towards the impact? because it stops, right? Like it's it the car hits and like that side stops the motion because you you're impacting with something, so it throws you to that side.
1: Yeah, I but I guess where where I'm a little lost is so she gets thrown and mm-hmm. then she goes through the passenger side window a little bit?
0: Yeah, so she gets thrown to the passenger side and I guess to the windshield first and they think her back cracks the windshield. And then fully throws her, the force Mm. of it, throws her to the passenger side window and she smashes through the window. But she's only half hanging out of it. So her legs are inside the car. Her upper body is outside the car. And they think it's up against the guardrail, still in motion. So it's her upper body is just being dragged against the guardrail, like boom, 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 up against beams. They think that it cuts off the breast, pulls all of her clothes off, bra, blouse, and jacket. And somehow folds them on a guardrail. And then her head is decapitated from one of the beams. But then it doesn't stop. That's the crazy... I mean, I'm tracking with all of that. I'm like, far-fetched, but like, possible, I I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't understand how the momentum and the pull of that then drags the remainder of the body that's still intact, including like, I guess, what's left of the torso and the legs out of the car, up into the air, over the car, and then it hits the top of the car and starts spinning. What? Like, how? Also, was there
1: blood on the cl- the blouse and the bra?
0: There was, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, that makes me... I was going to say, this would all be null and void if the clothing is, like, untouched for some reason. The clothing like has blood, blood, blood on it, on but
0: it. It. it doesn't have... It does not have the kind of damage that I think the torso of the body sustained like for example the head is decapitated so i'm assuming the majority of the blood is pooling from the neck yeah the neckline of the clothing does not have that kind of blood on it it's like wipes of blood i swear to god sue if you look because you can see the clothing like the mother's release pictures of it it's like somebody wiped their hands on it almost like they're like wiping What? it's insane so she's thrown up into the air over the car and hits the roof of the car, no dent, no dent. This is just according to their investigation. She spins 360 and then rolls down the back. And then I guess that's when, like, the the part of her that's bleeding, which at this point would be the neck, touches the back of the car because there's so much blood found on the back of the car. That is wild, too. There, oh, also, there's no blood that's found in the window, the passenger seat window that she was allegedly hanging out of. Yeah. So they're saying she smashed out of the window... And she's being dragged along this guardrail, but they never found any blood, they never found any hair fibers, and they never found any clothing fibers of her on the actual passenger seat window. They just believe that she was hung outside of it and was dragging along this rail.
1: But what what about the guardrail? Did that not have blood on it?
0: It did, yeah. So here, I think there are a few things here that are definitive because there's. I've, I've looked at it from the perspective of, like, what has the mother released and what does the mother believe, Kim Davis, and what have the police released? And there are some things that are difficult to refute. There is, like, visual evidence. And there was brain matter that was found on the guardrail, which to me indicates the head was definitely decapitated on the guardrail somehow. Right. I don't know right. if it was that she was hung out of a window in her car from her own accident, but I've also run through the scenario. I'm like, did somebody hang her out of a window and slam up against a guardrail? I mean, but then her mother and her family also believe that she wasn't even in her car. They think that she was, like, hit with a car intentionally into the guardrail, which I also have a hard time, like, trying to piece together all of the... I, I feel like I'm just very ill equipped to understand how accidents like this unfold from a physics standpoint because it seems impossible but i i guess nothing's really impossible cuz we're just not used to seeing like or understanding how a body i don't i, I don't know goes through the motions of something like this i guess it's right. possible the thing that confuses fully me with it oh yeah Go well i was going to say the last part of it that confuses me i don't know if this confuses you too is that they say in their investigation the recreation that as soon as the body rolls off the back of the car, it immediately gets caught under the back wheel of a semi truck, which does not align with that 911 call because on that call is when he says, "Oh my God, it just got ran over by the truck." So that didn't ha- those two things did not happen like at the same time. Like the accident wasn't going on while the back wheel of the semi truck happened to catch the body in those like three seconds that this whole thing happened. The body was unless already on the ground.
1: two trucks, unless two trucks did it. But that just seems, oh, when maybe. you drive a truck, wouldn't you feel a body that you just picked up or hit? Like,
0: Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I would think so. But also, isn't it the trucker, there is a trucker who calls in from that first 911 call, I thought, who's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. something's going on at mile marker 181, which... The confusing part about that call is when they say, I didn't see anybody around there, but he also says, like, there's a guy standing there. There's a guy standing there. What, is that, what does that mean? Like, as far as... Because it was before the other 911 call, so it's definitely not this guy who called and was like, I've got my boy in my car, so it's... Is he referring to the car? it's not somebody
1: with another car. It's, it's somebody just with her car, which is yeah, so it's sol- weird.
0: Yeah, the, it's the car solo. There's something going on at mile marker 181. He goes, he's up against the guardrail. The guy, there's a guy standing there, but I didn't see anybody around the car. Those two things confuse me. Mean, meaning like I didn't see anybody around the car. Like I didn't see another car, I think is what he's suggesting. Yeah. So I don't think it's like an accident, like a two-car collision. I think this person got into an accident. He's just standing there by the car. Who is the... Oh.
1: It's almost like somebody (sighs) found her and, like... Like, okay, here's the other thing that I want to know from that first 911 call. If she was going 70 miles an hour, Mm -hmm. I guess once they called, once this first call happened, the car had maybe stopped motion... Like it was just banged yes. up against the guardrail, okay, yes,
0: completely at a stop, um,
1: okay, at a stop, so then, it almost seems like somebody would have stopped and like or been with her to get out of the car and fold the clothes or whatever like it just does not make any sense
0: the folding of the clothes i i'm never going to be able to understand even from either perspective of like this being a single person accident and like how that happens from the accident or they the conspiracy that someone was with her in the car uh i don't understand why they would fold the clothes then unless like how they even got them off her body unless right. she was made to get nude before this all happens Like, coat comes off, shirt comes off, bra comes off. I don't understand.
1: Or, like... Oh, God. This is... This is...
0: It's a freaky, freaky freaky-ass
1: case. But is there a world in which someone from the club would have, like, come out to her car and, like, they would have started to drive together to, like i don't know that's what i thought or something like
0: yeah the whole thing that i thought was like i'm like was there someone following her like was like because i thought i'm like okay if Jalia's driving maybe like freddie scott is in his car is like following that car or yeah maybe Jalia is like meeting up with the guy because there was someone she was trying to meet up with that she was calling allegedly according to Kristen. i don't know there are some other details to this from the investigation that I should get into that might actually throw this even further. Um, so we've gone through like the actual, their version of like how they think the accident was physically possible if this was a single driver accident. So we know that some of these details don't add up and they weren't able to explain everything. So now we have a few details in the investigation where things go pretty sour, um, Like I said, they were never able to recreate how the clothing was removed in that reverse order. Because what's logical is that, okay, if she's being hung out of the car, the body is slamming up against the guardrail, and that's when they think the clothing was ripped off of her body, it would most likely be in the reverse order. The jacket gets ripped off first, and then the blouse, and then I suppose the bra? I think? Yeah. I don't understand how how it was laid out the way it was laid out. To me, that indicates that there, there is no way around it. Like, that clothing was removed somehow from her torso either after or before all of this went down and was hung up individually on the guardrail. I just don't know how it happened. They also prematurely assumed in their investigation that this was a solo accident because, again, only the driver's side um, airbag was deployed which would make sense, because like we've talked about before, in the passenger side, there has to be weight on the passenger seat for the other airbag to deploy. Mm-hmm. However, however, Stu, <laughs> Kia <laughs> brings in an engineer to inspect the car independently. And they, this is when they pulled the data, and they're like looking at it to get the black box data to see like how fast was she going, what was going on. As it turns out, the passenger side airbag uh, had a defective code and apparently was supposed to deploy, which they can't say <gasps> one way or the other, but suggests that there was weight in both the driver and passenger seat at the time of impact.
1: What? Okay. See, this... <laughs> okay. This is what. This is where my like weird hookup theory is coming from. That like, like, what if she? Had taken off her shirt or whatever, like, maybe with somebody. I don't know. I This is is all a theory. But, like, Mm -hmm. she had taken off her shirt or something. And, Mm -hmm. like, what if she was in the passenger side and somebody else was driving the car?
0: I mean, that would make a lot of sense, considering if Julia's very drunk. Someone comes to look up with her. He's like, oh, I'll drive kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I, it's it's really. I thought about this last night a lot because I was going through a lot of these scenarios too about like the the hookup possibility or like the possibility of sexual assault if this was like something of Kristen, Katie, and Freddie's doing where they're like, because uh, like you, they're really dark theories. But I think you have to think about things through this lens to try to explain some of the unexplainable. Because if you don't, and if you just keep it quiet for for niceties, you don't really get to like the meat of the case. But. I ran through a scenario. I was like, it seems like fights and altercations were already breaking out with the group. So I would not put it past this group to do something horrific and shady to this girl. Or even sexually assault her. Or like, like take off your clothes kind of thing. Like something horrific like that. And then yeah. it, it goes even further. Where like someone tries to hit her with her own car or with their car. Um, I should also say, like, why was that car in Kristen's driveway... Why had it been out early that morning? Was it taken somewhere to go get washed? Was it taken to like a friend's shop to go get a dent put, like popped out? Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm just saying, but yeah, I'll I'll keep going. So when I read that about the Kia engineer and the defective passenger seat airbag, oh, <laughs> I was like, we're back in. Like,
1: right? There's right. So,
0: there's something that went on here. So this right. opened up an, the other theory that of course Julia was not alone in that vehicle and that someone or the group might've been driving the car and had gotten into the accident themselves. So like you said, Julia, it might've been that she was the passenger in that car. And we knew that she went through the passenger seat window, according to this description in, in their investigation. And that's when everything got ripped off the decapitation. But what was really odd was that her passenger seat had a bunch of stuff in it. like, random items that were thrown into the seat which her family believes doesn't one doesn't make sense with the accident because if there was enough force that threw her body from the driver's side to the passenger side and then through the window how these items were not disturbed it almost looks like the accident happened and then someone grabbed a bunch of from inside her car Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. threw it in the passenger seat to make it look like she was driving alone Mm -hmm. right um what was also odd that the the parents noted that hasn't really been touched on in the investigation and can be seen in the crime scene photos the glass of the passenger side window was found of, of the broken window was found inside the car which suggests that the smashing came from the outside not from her body right. smashing outwardly cuz then the glass would go outside of the car it's mm-hmm. not i mean nothing's impossible i suppose but the family has said this looks greatly staged. Like it, it looks like a, like a fake accident kind of, which we don't know how much happened from like the group or whoever we're alleging might've done this to her. And we don't know how much happened from police who were covering, covering ass for people. Mm-hmm. So then let's see, the family has said they believe that the car was very quickly staged Um, The pile of random things that was thrown in the passenger seat that didn't seem to make sense. Uh, And then they think that Jalea's keys were then used to lock all of the doors and then were thrown through the smashed window on the passenger side back into the car. And then everyone speeds off in Freddy's car or something. So the pile of the clothing, it's suspicious, and I don't even think it was noted in the original investigation, um, why those things were not disturbed, and what also seemed to be unexplained, like I said, that passenger seat window hanging out, the head, the chest, all of that happens, the clothing gets removed, none of the fibers of the clothing, no blood found on the passenger seat window. All of this is leaning into Kim Davis's theory saying that the passenger seat window being smashed was like something that happened after the fact. like that that happened from like somebody trying to like throw her keys back in the car kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, her mother claims to have been told early on in the accident that her daughter's car, she was told this by police, she claims, her daughter's car was found in park. That is impossible. What? That's impossible. There is no way if this was a single person accident that this happened to Julia from her driving and her car was found in park. Yeah, not a chance. It it couldn't happen. I mean, it just, I couldn't happen from like the way the accident was described. The car was in motion while all of this was going on while she's being flung out of the window and that's how all of this happened so police have denied that they've ever said this to her but she claims when she was told about the accident because she said that the first responding officers even mentioned that this sounded like the scene looked suspicious and they said the car was found in park they had later retracted that and they said no it wasn't it was in drive so we we don't really know what's the truth here but what's also interesting about this um this case uh and what kind of misaligns during the investigation so those three friends that claimed right that they dropped julia off and they were like we just dropped her off at her car and then we were going to go to mcdonald's then we we're going to go back to someone's house we apparently get cctv footage from the mcdonald's this is really interesting to these timestamps, pay attention to this because like okay. the cctv footage comes from mcdonald's that shows freddie's car and freddie at the drive through there are two people other people in the car you cannot see who they are. You cannot tell if they're men or women. But we know there were two other people in the car. According to the story, it makes sense that it's Kristen and Katie because that's what they said. We went with Freddie to McDonald's. That's time stamped at 3:32. Why this doesn't make sense is because that second call of Jalea to her sister happened at 3:36, where Kristen can be heard in the background. Even though Kristen said that she was in Freddie's car, which allegedly was at McDonald's just, what, four minutes beforehand, six miles away. It's not possible. Doesn't doesn't, make sense. Doesn't work. Like, so, So, yeah.
1: Was there a, a third car, I guess? Like, had anybody else driven their car?
0: I don't think so. I'm curious about, like, the other person who was there. Let me get their name again, because they completely fall out of the story. I don't know why they were grouped in, but, like, they completely fell out of the story. Who was it? Oh, Jordan Campbell. Um, Yeah, I don't know where they come into play here. I think they were just – they were there for, like, the house party in the club. But why they were grouped in with this this trio of, like, Katie, Kristen, and Freddie, I have never understood –
1: I guess the reason I was asking was, is there any world where they would have said, like, well, we're going to follow you and make sure you don't, like, you know, if you're going to drive, we're going to follow. And then, like, Kristen gets pissed and is like, let's, like, f- with her or something and, like, start, you know, like when you can kind of, like, get on, ride somebody's tail. And I didn't know if, like, they were doing that to mess with her. And then it went too far and she ends up, like, going off the side and like mm-hmm. they're like, holy shit like we have to cover this up immediately but you don't go to Mac- I mean, you wouldn't go to McDonald's like after that or well the before Ma- that, the you know McDonald's I mean? Times
0: I totally get what you mean. the McDonald's timestamp is also interesting because I was never sure if the timestamp that was given was provided by the McDonald's or if it was provided by police because we have to look at this uh. through the lens of like every single one of these kids has a parent or relative who's either a sheriff or works high up in law enforcement. So Mm -hmm. this looks like like an initial um, attempt at an alibi footage with, like, a fudged timestamp that then also didn't make sense with, like, when this phone call happened and what the sister heard. Because the sister, she said, I heard Kristen in the background. Jalea was yelling at Kristen. So I don't know how much weight I can give to the timestamp with Freddie's car being at McDonald's four minutes beforehand. But if that is accurate, we also don't know who the other two people in Freddie's car were. One of them could have been Katie. One of them could have been somebody else. It could have been Jordan. It could have been, we don't know if they Mm -hmm. were men or women. We just know there were two other people in that car. What I, my thought, I was like, okay, what if the timestamp is correct? Where like Freddie, Katie, and like maybe somebody else all did go to McDonald's. They left. And Kristen was like, Jalea, give me your keys. Like I'll drive you to the rest stop, kind of thing.
1: That's exactly what I was thinking.
0: So I'm thinking at that point maybe Kristen is the one who's driving, and Jalea might be in the passenger seat, which would make sense for like the initial impact of the windshield and then getting thrown through the window, maybe. Um, and then I think maybe while they're in the car, I can see a scenario where like Jalea's still upset about the, the keychain, she's looking for it. She's got the cabin light on. They're fighting. That maybe that's even when the call happens because Jalia's drunk. She's screaming from the passenger seat and she's like yelling at Kristen, who's driving her own car to bring her to the rest stop.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then while they're fighting, physically they're fighting, they accidentally get into the wreck. Somehow Jalia gets thrown out of the window from that and all of that stuff happens. Maybe the clothing gets ripped off and it's just kind of scattered like right there by the guardrail. So Kristen is fine from the accident. Her airbag deploys. Julia's did not in the passenger seat. She panics, but, like, also maybe after McDonald's, Freddie is already on his way to go get Kristen because that was the plan, where she's like, I'm just going to drop her off at this rest stop. Can you come pick me up after in your car, Mm Freddie?" after you stop at McDonald's? Maybe something like that happened. Does that make sense?
1: It does make sense until I think about how did Kristen get home then? Because there's, I just can't see her like running all the way up to the rest stop, not being seen by Julia's sister and Freddie getting her and her not being visibly.
0: Well, that's like, if she ran to the rest stop. I mean, maybe she, the accident happens. She's freaking, uh, doesn't know what to do and just picks up the clothes immediately. Cause she's debating, she's like, do I, Do I call police? What do I do? I call police. I'm drunk too. I could be implicated. And she's holding the clothes because maybe she has blood too. Mm -hmm. Just throw them on, throws them on the guardrail and then darts off into the actual like woods or something off of the highway. Yeah. And somehow gets around to like call Freddie to be like, you have to come pick me up at like this area or something.
1: Yeah. And all
0: three of them just stay quiet. They're also helped by like parents and family members who work in law enforcement who were like, don't say anything. Like, what we've got you kind of thing.
1: To me, that sounds like the most plausible. Also, because let us not forget that the uh, cabin light was on, Mm -hmm. which to me indicates one of two things, maybe. That Julia was still, like, a hot mess trying to look for this keychain and was Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to find it. You know, like, you know, pressing the light. And when you drive a car, I don't know if you ever, like if your parents ever said this when they were driving at night, but don't turn on the cabin lights because we can't see out the back and the front is harder to see. So I wonder if that just like threw Kristen off and she went flying Um, or if they were like fighting in the car, like trying to get this keychain or whatever it might have been.
0: Oh, any Um, number of things could have happened. That tracks for me totally. I mean... Yeah. I'd, I'm trying to piece together the scenario that the family is suggesting where they say Jalea was already out of her car and that someone hit her with her own car. That's what they've said.
1: Well, what about... Okay, so if they think that that's what happened and the car was in park, what if there's a world where the initial... Um, like what we're describing, the the tossle, and then they end up hitting the guard rail, she mm-hmm. goes flying out the window, decapitation, whatever, and then this person, Kristen or whoever, freaks and is like, I need to hit her body to make it seem like something else.
0: Oh my, I just remembered. I just remembered. What? Um, the other thing that Kim Davis, the mother, has said that has never been touched on in the investigation blood marks on the highway from Julia's tires. How oh. did that happen? She was run, like, how does that happen? She was run over. A, she was run over. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your theory just like we exp- put that into my brain.
1: And it would explain why the car was in park.
0: Yeah. If I mean, allegedly, according to Kim Davis, she says, that's what I was told. The car was in park.
1: Now how, and I well, I'm probably jumping ahead, but I'm sure they scrubbed the inside of that car for evidence. Like, DNA.
0: Well, again, like, we have to take all of it with a grain of salt because I don't know how much of the evidence that's been presented has been messed with. You know what I mean?
1: Right. If we're talking about
0: multiple levels of law enforcement up to, like, the sheriff level, there are quite a few people who could, like, go into a system and, like, type in a few things or, like, erase a few things. Um, They claimed in their evidence, they said that there was airbag residue that was found on Julia's head which suggests that she was the one who was driving. But we don't know if any of that was true or if that was added in to sort of amplify the story that this is a single-person accident.
1: I feel like airbag residue could could absolutely be on, like, from initial impact. If it could, that airbag uh, yeah. went, boom, it, the dust from an airbag could have definitely been like, a little bit on her, even if she's getting ready to go
0: flying. I mean... That's true, yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that she was the driver. Right. It's... It's such a weird, eerie case. I mean, I... How do you feel overall? Do you really feel like there is something sinister and suspicious here? Or do you feel like this is something that it's bizarre to talk about, but ultimately it was possibly just an accident?
1: As we got further into it, I mean, my initial gut feeling was um, something is amiss. Like, Mm -hmm. I I actually don't feel like this was just, like, a freak accident. Um, I do think somebody else was there because I don't think you have that much conflict and that much drunk ridiculousness to just, like, let your friend go off. And, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when, when the... When it's already starting to unravel and people are already getting into conflict and it's unresolved and it's 4 a.m., mm-hmm. I don't think that it just, okay, bye, I'm gonna go see my sister. I feel like that continues to fester and people get crazier and crazier. The drunker they are, the later it gets, they're trying to get home. Like, I just, so that was my first feeling. And then as we went on, I was like, okay, well, maybe she was just trying to get to her sister because she was super upset and it was just a freak accident. But to me, it sounds like whatever conflict this was was intense enough that she and this, and I guess Kristen, mm-hmm. were not going to resolve it then and there. Mm-mm. That they yeah. were going to continue to fight. Um, so, in my opinion, my gut is that Kristen was driving that car most likely, and something because because. Th- You had me at the beginning with the physics of her possibly being in the driver's seat hitting and the decapitation. But Mm -hmm. just like you said, it all starts to get a little fuzzy for me when you describe her body flipping over the back, 360 up in the air. Like, it just is crazy. And the clothing coming off and being folded. No. Who would have done that? Not a random person. Like,
0: I mean, it could just be that we're also, I mean, The whole time I tried to view it, I'm like, I'm just an ignorant person to, like, the physics of a car accident. I was like, I really don't know how, like, what a body is capable of going through. So in my mind, I'm trying, I'm constantly trying to rationalize. I'm like, sure, I guess this is possible. I mean, it seems extremely far-fetched, and, like, this is glossing over quite a few details, but, like, I suppose it's possible. I would also add that, like, on the theory of, like, Kristen driving or potentially being involved, which I do think... She was, even if she wasn't at the accident or a part of the accident, she should be implicated in some way in this story. Mm-hmm. There's a reason, mm-hmm. I think, that she lawyered up. There's a reason she wouldn't talk to police from the get-go. And just as a reflection of her person, that keychain, again, was found, and it was in Kristen's possession. She has kept it to this day and refuses to give weird. it back to the family, which is f***ing weird. Like, why? So why? Weird like i i'm i'm sure she's given like some statements or something she's written a bunch of shit on facebook where she's like it's in memoriam or some, of, of my friend or you know it's some bullshit that's like they lost a daughter in possibly yeah. the worst way imaginable you can't give back like the family keychain that her sister gifted like what do you what
1: <laughs> yeah that doesn't make sense something she always, yeah. something it it almost uh feels like She doesn't want to let it go because she probably has a lot of remorse for... If we're going off the theory that she did this, she has Mm -hmm. a lot of remorse for what happened. And, like, that's her last piece of, in a sick and twisted way, her friend.
0: That it's... I I agree. I totally agree. I mean, I'd be interested to hear, like, some of the psychology behind, like, why people who either intentionally or unintentionally, because I, I haven't decided whether or not if Kristen was involved, if I think she did this on purpose, like, caused an accident in Julia's car on purpose, you know? It seems pretty mm-hmm. wild and risky, but you do things when you're drunk that are wild and risky. Um, Why, yeah, what well, the psychology is behind keeping the last piece of her, you know? She's also been think... very vindictive on Facebook, like, towards the family and towards the mother, because, like, this family, they have, they are set in stone. They, they will not budge from their theory that this was no accident. That like Jalea was with somebody. There is someone else who knows something. This was intentional, and it was um, vindictive. And Kim, or sorry, not Kim, Kristen has come out against the family on Facebook and said, like, they're stalkers. They're insane. Like they come after me. Like I'll come after them just the same. Like it's a dark, it's a dark crowd of people. Like. Yeah. Not the best.
1: <laughs> to me, it just sounds... I mean, she's she's doing everything you're not supposed to do if you're innocent. Um, yeah. So uh, that... Uh, but you know what else really... I First of all, I think that family knows best normally and they know what someone would have been capable of and what they would not have been capable of, like their own child. And I would be curious to know if... Kim thinks that Julia in a very um, like heightened state of emotion and drunk would have the, if she thinks that she would naturally have gone to get in the car and drive to her sister, or if she would have just like stayed back and like, like continue to like freak out or walk or like, I just feel like there's so much, there's so much more in those 12 minutes that I want to know about like, if I knew Julia better, that I could try to decipher um, what her next move was going to be when she realized mm-hmm. that she was super upset, she was in a fight with her friend, and, like, how do I get to my sister? How do I get home? I want to get out of here. Like, right. You know?
0: No, I, I totally know. Um, I... For one, I also have to think of it through the context of, like, I know that this happened in less than 12 minutes because of that first 911 call where the car is described as stopped at the guardrail already. So, like, really all of this happened in, like, five minutes, which is so difficult for me to, like, wrap my, my brain around. I just have a difficult time understanding how somebody else couldn't have been involved if the car is seen at 3.41, stopped. They're saying there's somebody standing by the car, but Julia's body is not seen outside of the car in the road at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to understand how, how that was missed. And I, I think the, the bigger problem here, too, is that like I'm viewing all of this through the lens of the evidence that's been given to me, which could or could not be true. So I'm trying to understand a different version of the story of how she could have been decapitated, the breast could have been removed, the clothes could have been removed where she wasn't in the car and I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that actually unfolds unless she's like made to get out of the car and like walk or something. Yeah. And then it's like a game of chicken where somebody like goes to try to hit her with the car, but Jalea doesn't move and then gets like rammed against the guardrail. It's also, it's difficult to, to like actually, or it was for them to inspect, like assess the damage on her body as a whole, because like the body had been caught under the wheel of that semi, so it had truly, truly been like completely mangled. Like there like it was so difficult to tell, like was this body like dragged up against a guard guardrail? Was it like hit head on into the guardrail by a car? Like like it was found in so many pieces that they they just couldn't they were like, it's been hit multiple times. We know that, like it looks like it's been hit multiple times.
1: I definitely think the decapitation and all of that happened by accident and by a hell of a lot of force. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that when you're drunk and your motor functions are impaired that you'd be capable of figuring out how to hit it just right so that she's going to get decapitated. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, so. It definitely, to me, seems like that that was the first chunk of it all going wrong. And then the second chunk, unfortunately, this person decided to stage it and try to make it look like something I definitely, I it.
0: definitely feel there was some staging that went on. I don't know if that was from the person who was actually there or if that was once, like, a brother who's a cop arrived or, like,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The sheriff
0: arrives, like... I don't know. There's a lot that can go on in three hours when it's just police on the scene. And I don't know. Three and out of four county. of them. county. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> don't even get me started. Marietta <laughs> County police.
1: <laughs> mm. Woo. I've oh got my, my theories. Gosh. But yeah,
0: like three out of four of them have like kids who were they know were out with Jalea that night. Yeah. There might be some conversations that go on at like early in the morning about how they're going to explain this story.
1: And the and the car, the car with the frost, or defrosted, I guess I should say.
0: Yeah, yeah. Found without frost. I don't think that's ever been explained either. Nobody and answered that's the Kristen's door. Kristen's car? We don't know if that was Kristen's car. I'm sure there's some research somewhere that would back that up. Um, I think it was a Cadillac and a Dodge, and I forget which one of them didn't have the frost, but... I don't know. I mean, I think there's, an, there's a wider story here. I just don't know mm-hmm. if it's ever going to get told because the case was closed. It was ruled as an accident after the investigation. Kim Davis maintains that there's something wrong and she wants the case looked at again. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it ever will be, but that's everything that I think we know about Jalea Davis. How how was that? I know that was a lot, but you, you jumped right in on those theories there. You're like, <laughs> we're cracking this today. <laughs> like...
1: Uh, I mean, do you mind if I just look at photos? If I, I mean, I'm already down the spiral.
0: Yeah. If I think, if okay, do is so, it really but graphic? like, um, you won't see her body. You will not see Jalia's okay. body. Um, you might see a lot of blood and you definitely might see the guardrail. Um, you'll definitely see the clothing. Maybe you should look at the clothing first and foremost, because that's, that's interesting too. But like, I'm talking every single picture of this crime scene is available.
1: Okay. Hold on. This is
0: I feel so bad uh... that you have to you have to go from this case to the like <laughs> meeting with John's mom. <laughs> it's like...
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was like
0: tea and finger sandwiches later in the afternoon. I
1: know, I know. Like okay. <gasps> wow. Oh my god.
0: Tell me what you're seeing.
1: I'm seeing the like blood smearing on the, the highway. Mm-hmm. The folded jacket over the guardrail. With the
0: bra and the blouse underneath it.
1: So strange. Um... Oh my gosh. Um... This is... Oh my gosh. Gosh, the photo, the image of the jacket over the guardrail with all that blood is so awful. Oh, my it's, God.
0: Yeah, but the entire case is just, like, extremely difficult to imagine. Um, obviously, I mean, the the body was only expect, or inspected by a medical examiner who was assigned to the case. Um, there was no one else outside of the police and the examiner who ever saw the body. The family was not allowed to see the body uh, for obvious reasons. So we have to take their description, their examination, and their word on, like, how this all looked, how her body was shown.
1: And there's no, like, no one was ever arrested, no one was ever...
0: Um, I think (sighs) that they definitely pulled people in. For questioning, I mean, like, obviously, they they eventually talk to everybody. Like, they pull in Freddie, they pull in Kristen, they pull in Katie. Well, Katie went in on her own. Um, But by the time Kristen goes in, Kristen already has an attorney. So, like, she's got somebody speaking for her. Yeah. And it, it might have just been for, like, if we're going with the theory that Kristen was involved and police already know she was involved, but they're covering it up, it could just be to, like, have it on paper in their investigation. Like, we pulled Kristen in. We talked to her. We couldn't see any alignment for how she was involved.
1: Oh, my gosh. Oh, well, I'm glad that none of these photos show her, like, actual body. Um, yeah, just I the think, I'm think i sure that the blood, mother has but...
0: those pictures, actually, because um, every single crime scene photo was released to her. This is just what her mother has released on Facebook that I think would be allowed.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at, like... A lot of people noting the blood found on top and underneath the vehicle. And that just, I can't, like that, there are just so many parts of this that none of it makes sense.
0: I mean, yeah, the blood under the car, the tires, having blood on them. I I just, I, if this all really was just a single person accident, I am fascinated by the physics of that. To understand how that's possible, how all of that could have happened in five seconds. Ugh. I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever really know, but I'm happy that we, we at least got to talk through it, even if it is a really difficult case to cover. Because I do think there's something very sinister about a story like this, and trying to unpiece what doesn't make sense and why.
1: Yeah. Well, creepers. Once again, nothing <laughs> good happens after two a.m. So it certainly just keep your wits about you.
0: Nothing good happens after two a.m. And if. Anything is taken away from this story. Do not trust county police.
1: Do not trust county police, baby. (laughs)
0: You cannot. (sighs) Well, Creepers, we will catch you on another episode of Creep Time, the podcast. Thank you again for listening to this harrowing case of Julia Davis. Maybe we'll revisit this if, like, new information comes to light. Because we've said before, we are a good luck charm for, like, cases getting reopened and solved.
1: Yeah. I am in mean, any, any time that we can do a react video or a react phone call again, like we did with Lady of the Dunes, yeah. I'm praying, I'm praying for those cases for more and more to come to light well, about what everything. people,
0: what the creepers were calling out in the comments. If you saw, they were like, you guys are a good luck charm. Because after we covered the Lady of the Dunes, she's identified after we covered the Delphi slangs, they make a new arrest for who they now certainly believe was responsible and I think there was another case of ours that had another break. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. After we covered it. Dang, what was it? I'm forgetting now because we're oh, on episode um, 15. It <laughs> was Hi- like-
1: Kylie Rodney. Kylie Rodney.
0: <sighs> yes, yes, yes. They, yeah, they finally released um, the ruling on what they thought uh, happened with Kylie Rodney and her car. So maybe there is something to, like, I don't know, keeping these cases alive in, in the spot and seeing what comes from it. Yeah. but. Thank you again for listening. We will catch you guys on another episode. See ya. Bye. Bye, creepers.